Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, welcome to the podcast this month. My name is Dean. So glad to have you guys joining us uh, from wherever location you are coming from. Before we get into today's topic, I just want to share a couple uh, new things that are coming out. And of course, they are always free of charge to you. Uh, we're approaching our Christmas holidays and I've got uh, last last Christmas, I did one of my favorite Christmas messages and it was called Divine Interruptions. And I just encourage you to check that out. It's a great Christmas Eve message. It's a great message the Sunday before Christmas. And then I also have a Christmas series called Born Identity and Born to Give, talking about the gift of Jesus. And, and so it also is a good one. I hope you'll ch- check that out. And then I just finished uh, two weeks ago a study that we did called Stand Firm, a sermon series called Stand Firm. It's a study of First and Second Peter. And it's 15 lessons, 15 weeks. And those two books really are talking heavily about persecution, tribulation, and overcoming in our walk of faith. And that's why we called it Stand Firm. And so all of that will be available at deanhawk.com along with the Christmas messages. So I encourage you to check those out. The Stand Firm series would be a great series to launch come the first of the year and uh, uh, just launching off with a charge. And then something I've never done before that you'll also be able to download is I put together a study guide of all 15 sermons, the scriptures, the sermon points into a study guide that after the series was released, we gave out to our members and they have really been enjoying that for a personal devotional time, leading Bible studies at work and all of that. We just love supplying resources to you and helping you guys do what you do uh, and and supporting you in that. And then uh, I want to encourage anyone that has not opened your church yet. I want you to prayerfully consider that because here's I, I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm just going to tell you what's happening every single Sunday. We are getting more and more people who are coming to our church who are saying, my church just won't open. I want to come and worship. We are even having some that joined us this summer that are, are choosing to make this their church home and they're joining in membership. Now, you know me well enough. That's not the way we want to grow a church. That's not the way we want to build a church. But I'm telling you, those of you that haven't opened, I think you're I just encourage you to open with what you can do it with the social distancing, mask, no mask, whatever you want to do. But I would say get people back in your building and get them gathering, even since we have uh, good news about a um, vaccine that is coming out and should be available after the first of the year. Amen. All right. And then I got to hit one more thing before we jump into the topic. The elections are shaking up church and Christians like I have never seen before. And I just want to encourage you that pastors and you need to be the light to your uh, congregation as well. Here's the real simple thing that I shared with my church last week. Peter walked on water as long as his eyes were on Jesus. When he put his eyes on the circumstances around him, it says he began to sink. 
And if you or your members are putting their eyes on Donald Trump or Joseph Biden or the Democrats or the Republicans, they are going to get caught up in this swirly and they are going to begin to sink. And so just encourage them that no matter who ends up ultimately winning, not winning, that Jesus is still on the throne and God is still our provider and he's going to see us through. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, let's dive into today's topic. And today I want to talk to you about motives of the pastor. And this is a lesson I taught to my staff a couple weeks ago that I wanted to share with you. I was having my devotional time, and man, this scripture just jumped off the page. And it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 through 12. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And I just want to read some scripture, share some thoughts with you about the motivations of our heart, the motivations of a leader. And so in verse 4, it says, For we speak as messengers approved by God, to be entrusted with the good news. And so we hold the awesome responsibility of being God's mouthpiece and spokesperson. And here's what I can tell you. The longer we go in ministry, the easier it is to forget that. That we're preparing another sermon. We, we've, we've got to get another series out. We're, we're prepping for the weekend. And it, it can get to be kind of a, a routine. Not that we take it lightly or take it for granted. But I want to challenge us and, and challenge you that you are God's mouthpiece. You are God's spokesperson. And every time we stand up to preach, we have been entrusted to share on God's behalf. And so I, I want you to just remember the value of that. Then it goes on in verse four and it says, our purpose. Could we insert the word motive? Our purpose, our motive in our communication is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And so here's what's interesting, is our purpose, our motive, is to please God and not to please the crowd. And we all know the tricks. We all know how to stir a crowd, rally a crowd. But we need to ask ourselves every weekend, when we walk off the stage, did I give my absolute best to honor and to please God with the words that I spoke and by what I said? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound or wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers, watch this, who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear, and they will reject the truth and chase after myths. In other words, what can be happening in churches in these end times is preachers are preaching to what they think the people want to hear, not preaching what they hear the Spirit of God telling them to say. And so I just want us to do a, a little check on our motive and our motive of our pre preparation as we, we look to plan out the new year and our new teaching schedule. Let's really zone in to hear and to know, God, what is it you want me to say in this coming season. I'm going to launch in January a new series called The Unstoppable Church. And I'm, I'm just refocusing people onto the value of church, the purpose of church, that it's not just coming to be a spectator, to hear a sermon and, and, and watch praise and worship, 
but it's about the engagement. And, and as we've come out of this COVID thing, I want my uh, people to recognize the value is not just to come to hear, but to participate and to engage. And so we'll make that series available to you, of course, as soon as it's done. Verse five says, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Here once again, the Apostle Paul is talking about our motives, keeping our motives in check. Are we using flattery? Um, as pastors, we are pros at saying things that we think people want to hear, that they tell us something. We say, we'll look into that. And we have no intention. I'll, I'll, I'll let the tech team know that you thought it was too loud today. And yet we never do. And so we need to be careful that, that we aren't just giving flattery and, and trying to appease the people. We're not pretending to be their friends just to get their money. We're not snuggling up to, to high, high, um, high capacity financial people. A uh, pastor friend of mine said this. He says, I have five millionaires in my church and they give the least of anyone in my church. So don't think just because someone's wealthy that they're going to be uh, all, all wrapped up in wanting to support you and the church and the vision that's going forth. Um, I would just encourage you, treat everyone the same. Next month, we're going to be talking about contributors and, and how to value them and show respect and honor to all of our contributors. From, from um, the person that gives, uh, I have an 11-year-old that gives $10 a week and to the person that maybe gives several thousand dollars a month. I want them both to feel valued and respected. We'll dive into that more next month. Verse six says, as for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Now here's where this scripture hit me because I am guilty. Guilty of, of could they just say thank you? Man, if they would just say, good job today, pastor. And we're challenged, especially those of you men that are listening, we're challenged to, that our value comes by the affirmation from others. And we need to be sure that we're receiving that affirmation from God. Now, I have this, I have this, this uh, uh, deal I do with my wife, Kim, every, every week. And, and she's figured me out because I go, how, how do you think the service went, babe? And, and she's learned, I really, it really wasn't about how I thought the announcements went, the videos went, the worship went. I'm really asking, honey, how did I do? How did I do? And I've told her, just on Sunday, tell me I did a great job. And then on Monday, if I need to change something, she can be, be critical at that point in time. But we need to be careful that we're not pursuing that human praise, that, that we're, not, we're not pursuing that. Here's why. Because here's where the danger lies. If we're seeking human praise, then our motives and what we preach might be slanted or enticed to pursue positive feedback. That we might not be tempted to say what we hear the Spirit saying because that might offend somebody. And here's what I would tell you. That's plain not to lose rather than plain to win. We're playing defensively. And we need, to, we need to not only preach the feel-good 
um, um, scratch the ears kind of message of you're an overcomer, you can do it. We need to preach the, the messages that's a call to holiness, a call to prayer, a call to, to fast and to seek God and, and, and relationships and, and all the topics that need to be pre- presented from the scriptures. Verse 7 says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children. Well, when I, when I hear that, what I see is, is that they were humble as a child. And he said, we were, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much. Here's the power words that just leaped off the page to me. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. I know so many pastors that love the pulpit, but don't love the people. They love to teach and preach, but they don't want to get into the trench of life with people. And and what I love is when it says we not only shared God's good news, but our lives too. Guys, this is this is real ministry. This is when we're vulnerable and we're allowing people to see us more than the, the pulpit preacher that we're having meals with people, that we're going out to lunch with, with some, some members, that we're being accessible, reachable, and touchable in the lobby and, and just greeting and, and, and talking to people. And when you think about the attitude of a mother, uh, that he says, we were a mother to you, that's that nurturing spirit. It's being comforting and caring and looking out for them and, and feeding them. But it also means that we're going to be involved in helping clean up their messes too. He goes on in verse nine, he says, don't you remember dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you night and day, we toiled to earn a living so that we could not be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. Verse 10, you yourselves are our witnesses. And so is God. Here it comes that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you as believers. Once again, it's going back to the attitude and the attributes of the heart, the motivations of, a, of the heart. We were committed. We were devout. We were honest. We were transparent. We didn't lie to you, uh, but we spoke the truth in love and that we were faultless and, and that we lived vulnerable lives and transparent and open lives before others and that 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 we pursue holiness and that that we pursue to live like Christ so that we can say as Paul did imitate me uh, as I imitate Christ and you know if you've seen the news lately and when we hear of a a, a national uh, uh, leader a national nationally known pastor have to step back from ministry because of uh, some personal difficulties and more moral issues in his life, just know that causes speculation on all of us, that it causes everyone to say, well, I knew him to be a good guy. What about, what about my pastor? What about my associate pastor? What about my youth pastor? And so I would encourage you to pursue holiness. And here's the way, here's the way I put it. And if you're watching on the video, you can see this. I have two round cylinders and the cylinder closest to me represents God and the cylinder closest to you represents uh, each one of us as, as individuals. 
And for this pipeline to have the greatest capacity, the more I align my, my life with God's, I believe the greater flow of God's power, God's anointing, God's healing virtue, miracle working power flows through us. But when I don't study, when I, 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 I overdose on TV or video games or, or, or avoid the scriptures and I don't pray and my life doesn't line up as much with God, I, I think it hinders the flow. Yes, God will still work through us. God still wants to do miracles through us, but we're hindering the capacity of the flow. And so as you can see on the video, when I align these two cylinders perfectly together, there, there's no hindrance to the flow of the substance going through the pipe. And that's the way I see it. As we align our life with God's, the greater the flow that he can work through us. He goes on in verse 11 and he says, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. And we urged you to live lives in a way that would consider that God would consider worthy for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Well, a father is a provider. He's a protector. He's a defender. He's an encourager. And, and he's there to, to show and to lead his children in the way that they should go. And we have to recognize that the father is also a disciplinarian. And one of my biggest struggles in my first decade or so of ministry was I tried too hard to be everyone's friend first and their pastor second. I was in youth ministry at the time and, and I didn't want to call teenagers out and I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit down and, 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 and hold them to the, to the rules that were happening in the youth service. And so I just kind of let things go. But here's what happened. The opposite actually took place. I actually lost respect. I gained respect with the, the sheep that I was ministering to. I gained respect when I began to hold them accountable to their actions. And I began to say, no, he, you, you, you broke the, the guidelines for our summer camp, for our weekend retreat. Um, and so the more you, you uh, are honest and, and do that in love, it's going to uh, help them. A number, probably many years ago, actually, I had a, a staff member that was underperforming. I saw the underperformance, but not only did I, but so did the rest of the staff. And eventually, even the parents began to see the underperformance. And so I had to make a decision. I don't like confrontation. Some of you just love it. Oh, it's confrontation. Man, I, I, I have to get myself geared up for it. But I knew I had to make the hard call. And so I'd put this individual on probation, put them on a, 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 a plan to try and, and see if we can turn the situation around, if I can get them performing at a level and a capacity that is in line with the rest of the team. But they kept falling short. They kept missing the mark. And so I had to make the hard decision that they were here less than a year. I had to make the hard decision to say, you know what, this is not working. And it was a very hard decision because when you let go of one of your pastoral roles, you get the um, uh, collateral damage of people um, that have opinions, the armchair quarterbacks and, and church members and, and people that maybe loved them, liked them, hated them, whatever. Uh, but here's what I can tell you. When I made that hard call, 
I gained higher respect with my staff. And I even had parents come up and say, Pastor, I know that was tough, but you made the best call. You made the right call. What did that do? It actually boosted my respect with the people when I stepped out of my comfort zone and made the difficult choices and decisions that needed to be made. So as we wrap this up, I just want to remind you that it's the motivations of our heart. And I've lived by this standard for decades in my personal life and for me as a pastor and a minister. How do I, how do I walk the straight and narrow? How do I make sure that I don't get off in the left ditch or the right ditch? Here's the way I say it. I want to have a pure heart, a pure heart before God. I want to guard and defend my mind and keep my thoughts pure. And thirdly, I want to have pure motives. I don't want to do anything out of ill motives, out of unforgiveness motives, out of flattery motives, or or unjust or unhonest motivations. I want to defend the motivations of my heart and to make sure I'm doing it for the right reason and for the right purpose that would bring glory and honor to him. Hey guys, I pray that your uh, month and your Thanksgiving, that you have a wonderful COVID-free time with you and your family or friends that you are going to be gathering with. I hope you'll join me back next month for the December Leadership Podcast. God bless you. We'll see you next month. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.